Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of the blessings that accompany a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. In other words, God is faithful to provide not only my needs, but beyond my needs. God does what he does in providing all grace in order that we have all sufficiency in our lives. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most people have no problem dropping a few dollars on the lotto or raffle ticket, all for a chance to win big money. Well, God has a far better system for giving and receiving. And today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study series from the book of 2 Corinthians, he brings us the simple truths of how to be a cheerful giver. Let's listen. In investments, the key is to find a reputable company to invest in in the right time in order to get the greatest returns. Then reinvest those returns by diversifying your portfolio in order to protect your investment. And you do this for the long term, not short, sporadic times. That's the key. The principles for our investing in the kingdom of God is no different. As God provides for us and directs us where and when to invest spiritually. He's the one that tells us. Paul, as you know, in chapter 8, verse 16 to 23, has communicated to the Corinthians about the men of integrity that is beyond reproach, who would handle the collection for the poor saints of Jerusalem to ensure the greatest accountability. Paul was not, inter- not only interested that, that the poor be taken care of, but the accountability of all that so that he's not accused. And then in chapter 9, from verse 1 to 5, Paul um, desired that the Corinthians be ready since um, he had boasted of them to the Macedonians a year before, and, uh, and he didn't want them to be unprepared. So he was sending some men ahead to ensure the readiness of the collection so that when the offering was given, it wasn't seen as evidence of begrudgment or obligation, but generosity. And that's the punchline. And so now Paul, in verse 6 through 11 focuses on the blessing of giving, declaring it is based on three things. Let me read here verse 6 through 11. He says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness." while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Paul focuses on the blessing of giving, declaring that it's based on three things. First, the principle of returns, verse 6 and 7. Secondly, the promise of resources, 
verse 8 and 9. And then thirdly, the practice of ongoing investing, verse 10 and 11. Let's begin here, the principle of returns, 6 and 7. Notice Paul stated, the person who sows generously will reap the same. Listen to his words, and it's emphatic. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is a well-known agricultural proverb. Now, even though these guys were city people, they were aware of the agriculture because they depended on it. A farmer would um, sow seed sparingly, then he would reap in kind. The more he sowed, the greater chance he would have to reap more. The farmer is responsible for sowing and receiving a crop or a harvest. In fact, Jesus said 30, 60, or 100 full in the parable of the sower. Different amounts. Now, notice the proverb is easy to understand. The Corinthians were going to give an offering for the poor saints of Jerusalem. This is the context. The Corinthians were to give sparingly understanding natural law of sowing and reaping. And that applies to every level, regardless of what it is. But then notice Paul stated, the person who sows compassionately will be blessed spiritually. He gives you the literal sowing and reaping, which deals with quantity, but all of a sudden, he changes it to spirituality. The majority of teachers and pastors don't show you this because they're always plugging for money. Okay? Listen to him. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The word bountifully means blessings. Eleven of the sixteen times the word appears in the New Testament, it is translated blessings. We get our word eulogy from it. When you go to a funeral, someone eulogizes the dead person, they speak well of them. That's where you get the word blessing. The word bountifully is not referring to quantity or amounts, as in the first part of the verse. It is describing the purpose behind the giving. It means blessings. The clear teaching is that the motive is not greed behind the giving, but love for the brethren. The bless. The amount is relevant. The idea being, if a person sows blessings, they will receive blessings in return. How often you have given to your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, or a good friend, and, and it's been such a blessing to you. You, you didn't even regard it because it, you just, it was from your heart. That's what he's talking about here. Paul was teaching them spiritual principles he believed and lived by. In fact, in uh, Acts uh, 20, 35, Paul says, And I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, speaking about tent making, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul lived it. Now, we should not ask of you to do what we're not willing to do as pastors. Ever. Very important. Notice Paul made clear the Corinthians had expressed a desire, even the willingness, yet their doing of it had fallen short by their inaction. He had written to the Corinthians to collect the offering for the poor saints. And he said he had ordered already even the churches of Galatia in 1 Corinthians 16, 1. And they had started. He gave the manner and the method of the collection in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the first day of the week, and each one to lay aside as he prepared. 
He expressed the reason Paul did not want the collection to be taken when he arrived in 1 Corinthians 16 too. He said the offering had begun a year ago by the hand of Titus and they wanted him to complete it now. Um, chapter 8, verse 6 of our epistle uh, says that in other places. And he just told them that the desire and willingness were good intentions, but the completion of it was in action from what they had, not from what they didn't have. Chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. God is desiring for you to impart from what you do have, never to break you or to be a burden to you. We've noticed that. He had boasted to the Macedonians about the willingness of the Corinthians the year before. And in fact, that had caused a zeal for all the other churches to give. Chapter 9, verse 2 and other places he said that. And they were the ones that had fallen behind. So that's why he's dealing with them. Now, look at verse 7. The Apostle Paul declared the principle of returns, uh, return blessings by God is based on attitude, not what a person gives. Attitude. Listen, good actions with a bad or wrong attitude ruins what is done. Yet bad actions with a right attitude is accepted at times. You ask your son to clean up his room, and he does the best job he's ever done. But his attitude is bad. Are you, are, you, are you really happy? No, you're not. But if your son attempts to do the best and he doesn't do the best job, but his attitude is great, you're pleased. That's what counts. Notice Paul stated, each person must decide how much to give. Listen to his words. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. The giving is indicated by the word purpose, which means to choose beforehand. The indicative present middle voice means the person decides freely. No one should ever force you to give. There should never be any pressure to take from one's resources and bring it forth of one's own will and accord. Notice the settled decision here. It's to be made by the individual, but look at in their heart. Our intellect, our emotions, and our will. We're making a very intelligent decision, knowing what we're doing. Our, our emotions are behind it. Our will is determined because we understand our relationship to God and we understand the scriptures, and God is the one who's leading us. There's no conflict. This indicates a wholehearted determination by one's own free will by the amount that is given. The individual makes this determination. Now look at the second part of seven. Paul stated each person was not to give reluctantly by way of warning. So he goes to the negative because he knows our sin nature. Not grudgingly or of necessity. The word grudgingly means in grief, pain, or out of sorrow. Wow. Interesting. It's a key word. We've seen it already. In chapter 2, verse 1, verse 3, verse 7. In chapter 7, verse 10, he spoke about the repentance of the world, regret. It brings forth pain. It only regret the consequences. Sorrow brings pain. This is it. Where, where someone would give, and they go, oh, keep it. God doesn't need our money. He wants it to be wholeheartedly. The word has the idea of regret and causing pain, being reluctant before or after giving evidence of selfishness, greed, and love for self. This was the problem with the Corinthians. He's dealing with the Corinthians, by the way. He's addressing this to them, okay? Yet they were rich, as you know, compared to the Macedonians. They had everything. They had nothing. 
This was also warned against in the law. Listen to the law in Deuteronomy 15.10. He says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Now, even though he's not dealing about quantity, God always says, if you honor me and you obey me, I'll take care of you. In the law, the Jew was to be very gracious, especially to their brethren. Now look at the word necessity. On the other hand, this word deals with being pressured by the circumstances. Compulsion would be a good translation. The evidence being they were not sowing blessings nor sparingly, but reluctantly and half-hearted. So God looks at our heart, their motive being greed, revealing selfishness, and no compassion for the poor saints of Jerusalem. Simple. Now, Paul stated that each person was to give with the fullness of joy. Listen to his words. For God loves a cheerful giver. The word for introduces the reason God does not want anyone to give grudgingly or of necessity reluctant or by compulsion because God loves a cheerful, the word is hilarious, giver. If you cannot give hilariously, as I said, don't pollute the offering. It will not help you. This verse comes from the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew writings. And it says this, God blesses a cheerful man and giver. But that translation of the Septuagint is really not found in the Hebrew text. A lot of the quotes of the New Testament makes this from the Septuagint, as we've pointed out often, okay? The Greek translation of the Hebrew writings. The word cheerful means joyous, unreserved excitement, hilarious. The word is found only this time in the New Testament. And... Um, one varied form for those who show mercy with cheerfulness in Romans 12, 8. Now, the action of giving pleases God only when the action of a person is lined up with the right attitude of a wholeheartedness, hilarious imparting that money. You remember Solomon asked God, when he says, that's what you will, he says, give me wisdom for I'm as a child. I don't know how to go in and out so I may lead your people. Solomon sowed sparingly with the intention in mind to bless the people of God. And so God imparted even more to him. Now, he didn't continue that way, but he started that way. And so we must continue the same way and not be like Solomon and fall into greediness and forget where we've gotten everything. The teaching to each of us is not that God is going to give you $10 if you give one to the poor person or the church, as many teach today. And yet there's entire sections of the church. It began in the 1970s with the prosperity doctrine, name it and claim it, declaring that if you're really spiritual, then you will be wealthy and healthy. And you just have to be... Don't confess anything negative. And it's moved into prosperity doctrine, seed faith, and little gods, and it keeps mutating just like a virus. 
It is a carnal teaching by carnal pastors and teachers to motivate carnal Christians following the manner of the Gentiles instead of the priority of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything will be added unto us, Matthew 6.33. These pastors and teachers are carnal, motivating carnal Christians to get carnal things. Shame on them. God help them. It is based on the teaching that godliness is a means of gain, and we are commanded to withdraw from such people who believe and teach that doctrine, 1 Timothy 6, 5. When somebody tells you if you are really godly and spiritual, the evidence of that is that you will be driving a Rolls Royce, having a house up in Beverly Hills, and you will be just never sick. Get away from them. They're a contradiction to the scriptures. The teaching to each of us is the simple principle of sowing and reaping for every level of life and that God will not be a debtor to any one of us. He will not overlook anything that is done out of our heart and love for him and for others. The principle applies to the stingy person who hoards only for themselves as well as the generous one. Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. But the focus is not so much on money, but the blessings of God, because the heart is right. You understand? We always focus on the wrong thing. The principle applies to those having compassion for the poor. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay him back what he has given. The principle applies to our giving in general for the work of the Lord and doing what is right towards all. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is what Jesus declared. Now, the principle applies to our carnal as well as spiritual life. Paul the Apostle told the Galatians, in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So sowing and reaping is in every level. On whatever it is. Absolute principle. Christian and non-Christian. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, Cast your bread on the waters. For you will find... It after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. In other words, saying you be kind, compassion, and benevolent because you don't know that in the future what catastrophe could come upon you and then those will be there for you, not out of debt, out of love. You understand? Too many people are so greedy in money and many of them are in the church. What we do, we do for love. We do because God directs us. You understand? Nothing less. So the principle of returns is based on our joyous giving for the work of God. Now notice secondly, verse 8 and 9. 
comes the promise of resources. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul declared the promise of supply is the work of God. Don't miss this. Listen. Paul stated God will be working in our hearts to give. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The promise is based on the previous verse. Don't miss the connection. God is able to make all grace abound to be a hilarious giver. The word able is emphatic. Able is God. There's nothing impossible for God. Is there anything too hard for me? He told Jeremiah? No. The word grace, as we have seen, is intricately tied to our financial giving. Chapter 8, verse 4, 6, 7, and 19. The promise is to make all grace abound towards the Corinthians. This is the same grace of God bestowed on the Macedonians as the source and cause for their generosity beyond their poverty. He is saying God would be bestowing also on the Corinthians this grace for their willingness and ability to give hilariously. Same God, same grace. No different. Now notice the extent of grace. All. The word all is every, any amount of grace needed. The lack would not be on God's part if man yields and obeys because God is providing the resources. Four times the word all in different forms is repeated here. He uses different Greek words, but all mean all. All, any, every. Four times in this verse. Now notice, Paul stated the faithfulness of God to supply our needs and beyond. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. This is a purpose clause, a henna clause. In other words, God does, does what he does in providing all grace in order that we have all sufficiency in our lives. The word sufficiency is a stoic word, and it means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed and independent from external circumstances. Wow. He used a very specific word. The extent again is all. Completeness in what we need and the idea behind the word is in view of good stewardship with contentment. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. God is faithful to provide not only my needs but beyond my needs and he expects me to be a good steward. Not living beyond my means living within my means, and always letting God direct me. The freedom is always having all sufficiency by God's faithfulness, depending, trusting, and obeying Him, as well as being frugal, planning, and saving. The particular is in all things, mark that, living within our means and being good stewards of all things. Notice Paul stated, the purpose God provides our needs and beyond our needs is that we may have enough to be generous. Listen to his words. May have abundance for every good work in order that we might be benevolent. The idea being our needs are met and we'll have more than we need in order that we might be ready when an opportunity arises as the Lord leads us. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us of the simple truths and promises God has for the faithful giver. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And you can request a personal copy of today's encouraging study from 2 Corinthians as well. It's titled, The Blessing of Giving, and is available on CD for just $4 upon request. And this is one message your family or friends in your church might appreciate hearing too when you're through. The title to ask for once again is, The Blessing of Giving. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What does it take to be a faithful steward of God's resources? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com